Hi, it's Sarah Archer and you're listening to episode number 10 of the Speaking Club podcast. Welcome to the wedding episode. Welcome to the Speaking Club podcast, because making them laugh is the secret sauce to your speaking, pitching and business success. And now your host, Sarah Archer. Hello and welcome to the wedding speech episode. Now, sometimes many of us are thrust into the role of speaker simply because we or someone we know or are related to is tying the knot. And it's not enough that we'll likely be addressing a significant congregation of family, friends and people we barely know, but the pressure of realising your speech will either be one of the highlights or lowlights of someone's special day can cause a lot of anxiety. On the upside, this might affect your appetite and waste disposal system, so it's going to help you look super slim at the big event when all eyes are swivelled to you. But never fear, the speaking club is here, and along with my special guest today, we're going to help you through it. And that guest is Andy Merriweather, who is a talented piano player and singer, and practically a professional best man or groomsman, uh, if you are listening in America. Every time I see his status on Facebook, he seems to be at a stag do, or bachelor party, again, as you call it across the pond. Now, Andy loves musicals, Marvel and his mum, and he's got some great tips to share with us about what to do and what not to do if you're going to be giving a wedding speech. So, enough from me, let's head over and get the lowdown from Andy. Hello everyone and welcome to the Speaking Club and welcome to Andy Merriweather. Hello Sarah, how are you doing? I'm not too bad Andy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Smashing. Now we've got the niceties out of the way. Is it fair to say that you are like a professional best man? Uh, I don't get paid, <laughs> but um, I, I guess I have been a go-to person for it. How so. many times have you been a best man? Um, well, five and a half. Well, I've got the half story. If you know. I'm going to explore that half in a minute. And, and and do you do you like get asked freely, or have you gone? Yeah, me, 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 pick me. I, I think like. I think there's. I think I put it out in the universe. Me, me, me. But I have been, I've been surprised every time, and then, and then I've been disappointed that it's not six or seven and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like really when you when you're not picked, you're like. Why? What's yeah. going on there? What's wrong with me? Have you seen, yeah, have you gone on YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's plenty of uh, you on YouTube being a best man or groomsman, as they yeah, say. Across yeah, there. there is. I like to. Um, I'm proud of it. I think. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it's one of those things. You, you, yeah. You have to be proud of it if you put the effort in. So yeah. Yeah. I no, do you, put it out there. you do put an enormous amount of effort into being a best man. Like, where, where, where does that all come from? Because a lot of people <clears> don't put that. I mean. Everyone does a speech, but you do just a bit more than that, don't you? Yeah. Um, where does it come from? I went to a wedding when I was younger where my uncle, my well, my mum got a big family, and my uncle did a speech that encapsulated video, multimedia, songs, slideshows. He had all the family involved doing pre-edited, pre-videoed um, moments, and it became like baseline for me for any speech I'm going to do friends or family it became this is this is the standard so I went I, I tried to match and beat myself every time based on that one particular moment blimey um, yeah there were like 
bets running that day based on how long his speech would go and the groom won the it was like a you put a pound in and guess your time i think it came in at 43 something 43 minutes or something blimey is there like an optimum in your opinion is there like an optimum length for a a wedding speech or you know particularly a best man speech no i think you can do short and sweet and to the point or you can do a full song and dance um as long as it's as long as it's relevant not boring i don't have a time limit that i put myself i've been I've been told I have a time limit by a bride and groom that are very organised, and I push. <laughs> I do push back because I. What a surprise! I, I think that yeah, I think there's an element of sales pitch to it. I think if I tell them, I might eat into your disco time, but it will be, it'll be the you know the best thing that you'll have at your wedding. Then, <laughs> then, um, or maybe I shouldn't say that, but yeah, I I do push back and I say, trust me, you know, you're in good hands. Give me an extra ten minutes. Yeah. excellent and you know how, how long does it take you to put a best man speech together for instance it's the same length of time that it takes to put a wedding together what? which is as soon as i'm asked i start right okay if i have nine months i have nine months so i start the day i'm asked and then and that can be just thinking about it and i think it's the same as a bride planning a wedding she starts thinking about it the day she gets engaged or the day after and I think about it like that. I think I'm a part of this. I want it to be as special as she wants it to be special as he wants it to be special. So that's how long it takes is how long I get I get to do it. Wow. So I don't start two weeks before the wedding. And that half story is because of that. It's the, it was the night before. That's what the half story is about. What they asked you the night before? No, the, <laughs> the actual best man. <laughs> you are good if you did that. Yeah, the actual best man text me knowing that I was going to be at the wedding the next day text me on the friday night basically saying andy you're good with this stuff could you help me with my speech and so the reason i say half is probably quarter because of the 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 jobs you have to do as a best man is a speech a stag do and then looking after the couple and i i did his speech i wrote the speech and then performed it with him and the only way we could think to do it in a funny and short way because we didn't have enough time was i told him i knew he could play a little bit of guitar like three chords on the guitar yeah so I i said to him yeah come over and when someone texts me the night before a wedding saying, can you help me write my speech? I'd like to think I go, oh, God. But actually, I'm like, yeah, like, where's this text been? <laughs> <laughs> like, where, you could have asked me a week ago, this would have been my life. But he texted me the night before. I said, bring over your guitar. I've got an idea. And I knew he knew like three chords, like C, G and F or something. And so we wrote a song in a few minutes that was basically a, the start and end of a wedding speech from ladies and gentlemen through to please raise your glasses it was a song a three and a half minute song and i always said to him we should have recorded it and given it to them as a as a gift but um people would have come away from it thinking oh how long did it take him to do that wow and and, how, and what about like do you ha- is everyone unique or do you have like a template that you, you you reuse no i do like i do like thinking of ideas but then if it doesn't work for the couple I'm, i wouldn't shoehorn an idea and just to just to get it in there so i've got a lot in the pen i've got a lot of, of best man ideas i'm running out of time i guess running out of people that would ask but <laughs> if anyone's out there oh there but, you go um, <laughs> just, uh, just there was an advert there andy it uh, no, sounds not, like you're available for hire andy well I'm, I'm willing to give ideas away <laughs> I, I i gave my mate an idea recently for his groom speech and we were at a wedding and i said we just listened to the speeches and my mind was racing with ideas that could have been because that's how arrogant I am is that I start thinking of things that, oh, this would have made this wedding better. 
Um, so we're sat there and, and I'm saying to my mate, his wedding was coming up a year later and I said to him, oh, I've got this great idea for you. And I started going through this idea, all the, all the niche details of this idea. And then he, at the end, I said, what do you think? Like, I can help you. Yeah, I'm, I'm on this if you want me to help with you. Uh, and he said, I love this idea. The only problem is I didn't think of it. And I was like, well, that, that's fair. That is fair. You, you've got to come up with it yourself, I think. So in a way, I would love to say, yeah, I can give people ideas, but I think it has to come from you. So where do you start? Like, where, where do your ideas come from? Um, I think I have certain ways of coming up, like being creative. Um, I like taking long drives uh, in silence. That helps, like, it, as long as it's a route I know where you can sort of zone out. It's just how you come up with jokes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have the other one, which is... Um, in the shower, the water hitting my head creates this sort of space. <laughs> right. It's like, what is the sound of of what's in your brain when the shower water hits your head? Is like this emptiness that I don't experience anywhere else. I come up with lots of song ideas and, and jokes and stuff in that moment. So I take really long showers and I'm late for work, but at least I get, <laughs> I get to work with you know, 10, 10 jokes. Um, and, and one excuse for being late. Yeah. <laughs> And what's and what's like the most important thing? Is it is it like do you get like a structure or is it like uh, the jokes or a, a song? Do all of your um, best man speeches have a song in them? Yes, they have. That's a crutch because I can hide behind a piano. That is that is my vulnerability. For someone that thrives on on being asked to be best man and making wedding speeches, I don't like the idea of standing up with a microphone and talking to people. That is the toll that I have to take in order to perform a best man speech so the performance as aspect the music the pre-edited videos and all that kind of stuff that's my best man speech the talking part in between all those things that links them are my worst moments so uh, you like if, for actually scared i don't like it, yeah i don't like standing up and, and and talking um with the microphone i feel very vulnerable and if you watched any of my speeches the actual talking elements are not that um, dominant but I'm, I'm tricking people into thinking I've made a speech I haven't really I've I've talked from one slideshow to the next like it's it's a it's like a it's a magic trick it's a performance so so it's more like a show effectively yeah like a, yeah like a one-man band type show but it's all pretty I make sure as much is pre-done as possible and then and that's why I don't write any uh, any of my speech down in full I've never written a speech out word for word because I know that wow. the talking bits are going to be so I want them to be so fluid and I want to sort of make little mistakes and I want it to sound like it's coming off the top of my head because those bits seem honest because I want people to think wow like it feels so genuine and that's because yeah 80% of it I've pre-done and I've watched a hundred times so that's that's my trick ah there you go so yeah. you don't so the speech is really the 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 tiniest bit of it i'd say the smallest part of it yeah um wow. and and that way i can get those moments the wordy moments i can get to be the most efficient in terms of emotion f or f or humor right so those bits are going to be really natural because they're not pre-planned effectively you have yeah they are going to be how i feel i've always had this thing i had this discussion with a friend of mine who had written in his speech that his wife looked beautiful and I said, how did you know she was going to look beautiful? Like when you wrote this speech two months ago, how did you know she was going to look beautiful? Obviously 
he's under the assumption he finds her beautiful every day and he's under the assumption <laughs> yeah. that on that particular day looking her best she will but that it, the the question was just a a prompt into why do we presume we're going to feel a certain way on the day because i wouldn't i would never have the uh, foresight to, to consider someone beautiful before the day that I find them beautiful so I always say it on the day how I feel and they always are beautiful luckily <laughs> otherwise I'd be, <laughs> I'd be too honest but no I think there's a genuineness that comes out I thought I thought the reason I was proposing this to him was because I was thinking it was coming up to his wedding he'd run through a speech with me and I said wouldn't it be funny if you'd written down that she was beautiful and then made reference to the fact that you'd written down that she was beautiful and they made reference to the fact that now you're referencing it and just keep going meta until you dive into um people walking off to the this bar. is getting, it's getting quite exit <laughs> yeah. i appreciate in a sense existential yeah, no. stuff it was, it was one of the it was one of the shower ideas i stayed in the shower way too long my, my <laughs> brain got wrinkly oh really so what is your process then take take us through your process um so i make a one-line note of every idea big or small uh-huh um, I come up with impossible things that I know I'll never be able to do. I structure out a speech and only throw it away. And that's why I think start as early as you can because I've not done one of my best man speeches that I haven't chucked away. Wow. In- entirely. And I think the good ideas always come back. So if I scrapped everything, so I can't tell you what was in my original speech for best man job number three. I can't tell you what was in the original speech because I scrapped it all, but I bet some of the ideas came back because they were the good ones. They were the ones that made it through. And I can't, I can't honestly tell you, but that's the way I feel like, you know, start early, write everything down, dump it all when you get bored of it. Cause you will get, I'm sure you get bored of jokes that yeah. you've just overdone. Yeah, you yeah, don't definitely. find them funny yourself anymore, but if they're strong enough, they'll make their way back around or in a different form. And so I, I do it like that personally. That's, that's the way I do it is, is start early and get everything down. Every, every stupid idea. And, and do you start with that whole thing about, I know I want to keep the actual talking to a minimum, so I want to... No, I'm gonna... no that just comes about because I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid. Uh, I also communicate with the brand groom an awful lot because I want them to anticipate my speech in a big way. I want them to wonder why I'm asking questions. I asked the bride about five months before their wedding if, you're, if the groom-to-be was an umbrella, what colour umbrella would he be? It's just because I thought of it that day and I wanted her because I knew I had to ask her a few questions a week later yeah. that were genuinely going to be part of the speech. And I needed, or it might have been for his, for his stag do, but I needed some information from her. But I wanted to throw as many random questions as I could that by the time I got around to the genuine ones, she was there were too many red herrings for her to care and she was just answering questions. Ah. So I would do stuff. So communication with the bride and groom because then you'll get also the bespoke element and you'll get what they want out of it um, and and to create that sort of mystery intention for them. yeah definitely yeah i love that kind of thing i love like we've spoken about my love of darren brown so before if I, I know a lot of people will go when they get asked to be best man once they get the panic on that oh the wedding's like a week away i should probably write something down they go and google best man speech and you get inundated with um dodgy or generic jokes i always go to darren brown or comedians um because i love the way shows like that are are structured in that darren made a mistake the the first trick that he does in his latest show he he makes a mistake at the start and at the end it's revealed that the mistake was actually on purpose and and that's the biggest reveal in the show 
is that he missed he lost out on 50 quid because of this mistake he made with a, an audience member and at the end a pre pre-edited video shows the fact that it, the 50 quid was supposed to be lost and it blew my mind and so that's my next speech idea is to make the biggest mistake at the start and then bring it all back around at the end if i make it so yeah that's i, I get ideas like that from magicians um i was fascinated to hear your your second episode with the magician because i love the way things like that are formed so i yeah i treat i treat it like a magic show but i can't do magic so it's all <laughs> it's all spoken word Brilliant. it's the same concept I think. that's really cool so so i let's talk about some of your best man speeches okay. to take me through yeah. the sort of highlights and i don't know i'd be interested to hear of the lowlights as yeah. well the lowlights are so much easier because they're <laughs> they always I are, think, aren't they? front of mind aren't they yeah because they're the ones that i you know try and get to sleep and i go oh yeah someone said that or that happened or unless i'm in control of the mistake even when i'm in control of the mistake i did i did a speech where I definitely was supposed to make a mistake that at the end I referenced in a song. Um, the song was called If I Had Time and the song was about if I had time to sing a song at the end of my speech. But I've run out of time so I can't sing this song. So I'm singing a song about running out of time to do the song. Yeah. And I there's a line in the song where I say, did you notice that I made that one mistake? And I needed to make a mistake for that line to work. So I knew at some point I've got a blunder something. So that line works at the end and uh someone afterwards who wasn't part of my family or friends it was just a an, an additional guest you know uh was at the bar with me and he patted me on the shoulder and he was like that was that was uh, so you, do you know sarah that i have this thing about the words pretty good actually as a british compliment have we spoken about this no we haven't oh. no uh, the british compliment is the worst compliment they say pretty good actually i think americans are very forthright in their compliment or they effusive. go the other way effusive yeah so pretty good actually is like regarding some of my shows and stuff i mentioned it in a q a once and now people say everything i do is pretty good actually as a joke <laughs> but <laughs> but this guy was like oh it's pretty good actually i was like oh, thanks it only took me nine months and then he said oh that moment though that i i, I don't know if i'm allowed to swear but he said that then yeah and i was like I know in my head that I was supposed to. And he picked that one moment, but I still think of that moment where he said that was his compliment to me. It wasn't even a sandwich. It didn't end with a compliment. He went, yeah, it was pretty good, actually, although you messed up at that part. And I was like, okay. What a weird... <laughs> and that's the one I go away with, even though probably that night I got hugs off people and the bride and groom were in tears. It was probably a very, very well-received speech. But I come away with that one guy. I know his name because I think about that so much. But yeah, that's the problem with being any kind of performer, I think, is that you you don't take um, anything other than compliments well. I'm getting the sense here that there, there's a lot of wow moments in some of your speeches. Tell me about those. I love the way things come about. And I, I love the idea that things start with um, an idea and end with a wow moment. So one of my best man speech highlights is um, my cousin telling me that he wanted to have a particular artist as his first dance. And he happened to tell me most couples won't tell people yeah. what their first dance will be. But because it had a special connection with me and him, he said, oh, by the way, we've chosen this as our first dance by this art, by this artist. 
and immediately my brain starts. I don't know if clicking is going to be bad on this podcast. Immediately my brain was like, okay, great. I know something. That's why I communicate with the bride and groom. You'll get little nuggets of things that you can use. And so immediately I was like, right, I can do something here. And I knew that they were having a wedding in Ireland and two weeks later having a reception and they were going to hold the first dance to the reception two weeks later because then they have more people there. Yeah, yeah, bigger audience. And so in that time I thought, I wonder if I can get a photo of them at their wedding in Ireland two weeks before, get it printed and, and printed out properly, framed, send it to the artist's management company, get them to sign it, send it back to me. Two weeks later, I present it to them in my speech. That was my little nugget of idea from him saying, we're going to have this artist. Five minutes later, I'm going, all right, I'll do that. So I emailed his team just to say that I'm doing this. He's their fi- favorite artist. Is there any chance you could do this? And they said, yeah, as long as like you cover postage, we'll, we can do that, no problem. Uh, about two months later, at their first dance, I had t- said to them, as part of my speech, I want to bring you up for your first dance. So towards the end of my speech, <clears throat> I say, can we welcome up um, Mr. and Mrs. Jones for their first dance? And then I planned for the song with a picture of them upon the projector, married. Yeah. yeah. The song was going to start playing and then disintegrate. The photo would disintegrate. The song would start skipping as if it was wrong. There was panic in the room. Everything went quiet. I was acting my ass off. To, I was devastated that this happened. And then into the microphone, I say, can anybody play this song? And the artist came from the back to the front with his guitar and played it for them live. Because I spent two months charming his team. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, and this is someone quite famous, isn't it? It is, yeah. It is, uh, yeah. It's on YouTube if you wanted to go and look. But yeah, it was nice. And also, you know, there. Are, in terms of highlights, I know this isn't advice for anyone because not everyone's in this position, but I happen to be a big fan of him. And when I picked him up from the train station that day, whilst I was supposed to be in my suit at the venue, at the reception, I was nowhere to be found. And people had to cover for me saying that I was ill because people knew I had, you know, always have people on your team like looking after your trick. So people knew I was away and the reason I was away and they were telling the bride and groom when they were inquiring about me, oh, he's not feeling too great or maybe he's nervous about his speech or something. But I was actually picking up the artist from the train station, taking him back to the hotel room. On the way back to the hotel room, he says to me, oh, so we're playing this song, right? And it was the not the right song. Wow. (laughs) And so I said, no, no, (laughs) they want that song. And he went, oh God, I haven't played that one in years. And so I said, well, I know it. Like, we can go through it. I know all the chords and the lyrics and the harmonies and the, everything. And then there is a video of it because I had someone documenting it because I thought one day I want this. And so someone was filming it the whole time. And basically, he's one of my heroes. And basically, I'm now teaching him his own song to perform at my <laughs> oh, cousin's wow. wedding. And halfway through our rehearsal, he says, hey, why don't you just sing it with me? Have you got a piano there? Yeah. Just play and sing it with me. Oh, my God. Okay. So then, so then I know not, not everyone's in that position, but yeah. So basically, it ended up being the best moment of my life in that now I've tricked my cousin into thinking his first dance has gone really wrong after asking, prom, you know, promising him it'd be good and trust me, I've got it all sorted. Then it goes wrong, lowest moment of their wedding, I'm sure, to then be juxtaposed by this. Now they're in tears and they can't believe the artist is in front of them. And now I'm sat on the piano playing the song with him 
it was like the best moment ever. Wow. Is that like the top? Is that the top of that's, the tree yeah, not, so far? I'm, I would have retired that, at that moment, but then I got asked to be best man two years later and I said yes. And, <laughs> and, and you I had to start it again. all over yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and that, that's the thing about that one is when I got asked two years later, they asked me by saying, oh, when we're having Ed Sheeran as our... <laughs> and I was like, no, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it for everyone. So, yeah. You, you are very good at this. Like, there's a not... We're slightly deviating here, but a massive thing for like business people and entrepreneurs is networking and social, you know, this thing called social capital and, and building relationships, especially like there's there's a lot of, you know, in, in every area, there's influencers, as they're called, you know, big sort of celebrities or whatever. And you do have a knack, because I know some other stuff that you've done of getting these big names to, to do what you want or actually more than what you originally asked for so what what mm. are your tactics how do you how do you do it i mean you've mentioned that you you know you you say what a big thing it would be for the people involved so is it always is it always for other people or do you do it for yourself as well yeah um i did it for myself i think you've got to be endearing and genuine or you've got to be genuine and that comes across as endearing um i i have been in circumstances where i've been with people um, because of because of being a musician or, or whatever, I've been with people that have been that I've not been that savvy with, and said to them, "I'm a big fan," and then you get caught out because you're not. It has happened, and they are again moments that I I I can't fall asleep because of. Um, you only you get stung a couple of times, and you don't try that stuff again. But um, but I think. If you're genuine, and I was genuine in this circumstance um, when I did something for myself away from wedding speeches, um, it's just a case of being genuine and inquisitive. And if you, if they know you're speaking their language, and I think as if I'm a musician, so this one artist I met and I asked him if he, I asked him like the third chord of a particular song, and I was like, because I play it like this, I was like, I drop, I drop the major seventh, I said something like pretentious. And he said, oh, you play, you, you know how to play my songs. And I was like, yeah, actually, you know, I've, I've performed your songs at weddings and things like that. And then I ended up being on tour with him and, and performing. And like that kind of thing, I think it's like a genuine thing. And, and I think people are willing to do nice things for people if they can see there's a genuine adoration. or. And it, I, I also don't fanboy. I'm, like, you know, me and Tim mentioned this guy is... He's yeah. up there for me. Yeah. And I try. I met him once and I didn't really want to meet him because I was so concerned about fanboy because I don't want to meet him in a situation where I'm a fan and he's an artist. I want to meet him because I'm interning somewhere and like I happen across him and then we become buddies and now I'm working with him. I'm writing his next musical <laughs> with him. That's what I want to happen. And that has happened with people. But I just in a situation with Tim and I said oh, by the way, I'm this guy. I pointed out who I was because I could reference something. And then we got on well, and it was like this moment where I was like, okay, great, let's exchange numbers. It doesn't happen. But I don't want to be a fan of anyone, even when I'm a fan. Yeah. Got to step back from it. So that I think celebrities take to that. I think if they can see you as more of a peer, then that will happen, I think. I met Oscar Isaac. I met him on Oxford Street in London, and I had five steps to get to him. And just for the, for the people that don't know who he is, give, give us some context around he's who Poe he is. He's Poe Dameron in Star Wars, the new Force Awakens, Last Jedi. He's Poe Dameron, BB-8's uh, buddy. 
Um, the pilot. Can. Yeah, yeah. So yep. Oscar Isaac, and on, I had five steps until I arrived at his face, and every step that I took of those five steps, my brain went, don't mention Star Wars, don't mention Star Wars. I'm the biggest Star Wars fan. Everyone will mention Star Wars. So when I got up to him, I said, Oscar, I'm, I'm a big, big fan. I did say I'm a big fan. He said, I'm a big fan, and I just wanted to let you know that Ex Machina was my favourite film of last year. Now, it came out the same year as Force Awakens, and I was lying through my teeth. Ex Machina is one of my favourite films, but nothing will beat a Star Wars film coming out that year for me. I just thought, my best game here is to go, Ex Machina was my favourite film of last year. And he, he looked at me like, he scrumpled his eyebrows, because he's like, two months after Force Awakens came out, and he scrumpled his eyebrows, and he was like, oh, thanks, man. I was like, yes, that worked, <laughs> that was brilliant, because everyone's going to go up to him and go, Star Wars! Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to. Yeah, so now I'm Oscar Isaac's best man. And I think I think that is a tip for people there around like, you are you're not Oscar <laughs> Isaac. So I just realised what you said. I just I don't think that's true, people. That's I think Andy's having us on. But <laughs> there is a serious point there about networking, which is you you know, this is about the prep and about and getting stuff that's gonna make you stand out from everyone else. If there's someone you wanna do business with or get in a partnership with that you know the best way to do it is to do your research and then find out something different that is going to make you stand out brilliant okay so earlier you said mm. that you get nervous yeah how do you manage those nerves when you're doing your speeches I don't i don't manage the nerves i have a complete meltdown i on the day i'm way more bridezilla than a bride easily <laughs> on the day you're a diva randy i'm totally a diva on the day I have said, I'm not doing this. And it's, if if you know me well enough that you've asked me to be part of your wedding, you'll know that this is happening, that you'll know I'm putting so much of myself into it that the negative things are going to come from it. So I'm going to, you know, if I put my heart on my sleeve enough that I can, that I can put a speech together like that, then my heart's going to be on my sleeve, sleeve enough that it will get hurt. And it's just because you didn't get your brown M&Ms, wasn't it? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I can't remember the reason. Are you like, you can have me as your best man, but here's my rider for the day. <laughs> Blimey. I, I do put a lot in. So anyone that wants Andy as their, as their best man, then, you know... Get just, ready for tantrums. Yeah. You'll get something amazing, but he, he will be a complete... But that's why... You, yeah, day. I, I always have a buddy that... So I don't bother the bride and groom. No bride and groom has ever known that I've thrown a tantrum on the day of their wedding. Ah, that's good to know. Yeah, there you go. No, it, it's not, it's nothing I bother them with. It's gold. As far as they're concerned, it's gold. In fact, the wedding I did a few months ago, they wanted me to play their first dance as well as, as well as do a speech. And the first dance element of it, the, the groom was there with me. He was stood by me as I'm trying to figure out because I couldn't get into the venue. That's another tip I have. It's, get in the venue weeks before, talk to the staff, let them know what you're up to and what you're going to be planning because they'll help. Um, people want to help. And this particular circumstance, I couldn't. And so on the day, it was all about the DJs arriving at this time. He's going to have your sound set up. And I was like, oh, that's like leaving it last minute for me to set up my piano and a mic and get it done. And I don't want to be speaking into a DJ mic for a first dance song. And it was a nightmare and I was sweating on it. And as it's, as it's all going down, the groom has stood with me just for support. Like he helped me with my piano, like on his wedding day in his suit, he's helping me with my piano. And at one point I told him to go and get me uh, water <laughs> because I didn't want him around because I knew I was about to stress. Lose it. Yeah. And I didn't lose it like in any kind of shouty way. It was just a case of, 
what the hell am I going to do? This isn't going to work. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then, and then just problem solve it. Then I figured it out. And, but I needed the groom to go away. So I just said to him, oh, any chance you can get me water? He's like dying. And so he went and got me a water and then I could stress because I don't want any. So I always have a buddy with me that will, is, is there just to say, it's fine. What do you need? What do you need? We can do it. Like that. Someone that I would be that person for. Just to keep you calm. Just to keep me calm or just to tackle it or so I go and have a minute because I've, you, know, you have a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what a best man's job is for the bride and groom, but then you need someone to do it for you if you've got a lot going on too. So yeah, there's definitely a bridezilla element of it. Sounds intense. And uh, and <laughs> what do the bride and groom normally say after one of your speeches? I'm sorry, are they chuffed a bit? Yeah. Yeah, my favorite my favorite two photos of um the moment after a speech. I have t- there's two photos that look exactly the same and it's the the groom hugging me. A really beautiful genuine hug and you hold each other because it's very high emotions and and yeah i i like i do like those moments um that they don't really need to say anything i'm sure i wouldn't ever remember what they said there's there's a video of me ending one of my speeches and you can see the groom hugs me really huge embrace and then the bride hugs me and as i've got my arm around her still he comes up for another hug and now we're all three of us are talking i can't tell you what was said but i know we all look very joyful yeah. it's, a, it's a really nice moment i wish i could remember but maybe it doesn't matter it just looks so i've got that beautiful image in my head of 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 them looking so thrilled and my nine months of effort coming to fruition i guess being worth it mm. excellent and just like are they are all the wedding speeches the same you know is a wedding speech is it rather a bride speech the same as best man speech or do you think there are differences like could some of the stuff that we're you know your tips that you're going to give or some of the things that you've talked about could they be done by anyone yeah you reckon yeah Yeah, definitely yeah so if i was ever a groom i would do the same i put the same effort in if i was ever a father of the bride i'd put the same effort in i think so it just happens to be that i've been best man um i think like any presentation if you're trying to sell your business in a room you put in the effort Put in months and months of effort, scrap the ideas, keep the good ones. Yeah, mean it, be genuine, make yeah. it bespoke. I think it all works the same way. I just happen to be doing it on someone's wedding day. Brilliant. And so what have you what have you learned from doing these speeches that can help someone who is doing a, a speech at a wedding? Like, is this my top 10 list? Or well, this could be, yeah, let's say, let's say, what are your top okay. 10 tips for putting together yeah. a killer wedding speech? And um, obviously, aside from buying my cracking speech make, it's <laughs> my plug there but uh, no yeah what are your 10 tips for putting together a killer wedding speech so my number 10 i reckon i reckon i could join some of these and make it a top eight but anyway <laughs> my number 10 <laughs> is I, I i will have covered some of these so apologize my number 10 is write everything down as you think of it and don't be afraid to chuck it all out the good stuff will come back that's what i've said yeah i, I genuinely mean that and that's happened every time uh, start planning early and allow time to change your mind or throw it all out so they go number 10 and number 9 are exactly the same thing Yeah. but start early if yeah. you get asked to do it celebrate the next day start It's it, it can only help it will seem like work but if you start the process of thinking about it you'll allow space to come if you procrastinate you'll never allow natural creative things to come in but if you start thinking about it even if you're forcing yourself to think about it in those moments where you stop thinking about it, like you, you're just because you're having a sandwich, that's when an idea will come in, I think. Or when, like for me, 
when I'm having a shower and the water's hitting my head. I didn't get asked to be best man for the first time and go, right, let's have a shower. That's not what, <laughs> that's not what happens. But it, it was like a few weeks later, and normally I put on music in, whilst I'm getting ready in the morning, but a few weeks later and I didn't put on music and it was that silence and suddenly things started to happen and then I realised, oh, that's my, that's my way in. And I, I think the thing with that is, is that you, when you say you think about it, so uh, so similar, I've got a TEDx talk I'm preparing for and I've been thinking about it, but it's when you, your brain, that unconscious, yeah. subconscious exactly. level, so you've told your brain, I need you to start thinking about this problem or this thing I want to do. Yeah. And then it's on a subconscious level. So when you're not thinking about it actively, yeah, that all of the ideas, because yeah. the brain's been doing that background processing exactly. for you. Yeah, that, exactly that's right. what you mean, I think. Exactly right. And that that's always if you're going to be doing something like that you have to and i'm sure you're the same with the ted talk where yeah it's in the spaces that that creative parts come you need some kind of method of getting that idea down because they come and go that's the thing because when you you said earlier the great ideas come back i think you're kind of right if you if you've already written them down yeah but like I've had jokes that were brilliant that I didn't write down in the car that, you know, that yeah. when you're driving is when a lot of things come for me and yeah. I didn't write it down and I couldn't get it back. And it was so frustrating. Yeah, you'll never get there again. Yeah. You, I think the act of writing something down does store it somewhere. I, I, I'm, I'm that type of person that if I write down, if I keep forgetting something, like I keep forgetting the date of something, then I write it down then that written down thing is redundant because now I've remembered it. Yeah. Because the act yeah. of writing something down or whatever, yeah, you're right in the car, like you need the voice note or something, you need something to, because it will come in those spaces. Like yeah. if you've got a 10 minute journey to work that you do every day, that is, your brain isn't being used for that journey. And it will Although allow it space. should be people, just to say. Oh yeah, drive, <laughs> drive safely. But yeah, you, you know what I mean? Where you, you, you get to A to B and you haven't, you don't remember it's getting autopilot, there. Isn't it? yeah, yeah. You're in autopilot, and that's when the space will, will come. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that was number seven, was it? I don't know. I think that was number. That was number nine. Number um, nine. Number eight. I've talked. We've talked about this already. Look at that. Um, have a caddy. Okay, there's someone you can rely on, technically, or technologically. So someone that knows the the software you're using, or they have the backup USB in their pocket. It's all important stuff if if a bride and groom could have their best man holding the rings and then an usher holding a second set of rings they would and that's the way you've got to think about everything has to have a backup and you've got to have someone there with that backup for you sounds like a military operation isn't it yeah it's 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 interesting uh so now i always have a caddy i always have someone that i can just lean on and then give them a shout out in the speech stooges now I don't know where you where you sit on having stooges in comedy, but I'm sure magicians have stooges. I treat my speeches like a, a magic show, so I have stooges. So I have people, even if it's for that initial joke or initial reaction to something. So when I started that speech where I said I'm not going to sing, I made the made the point of saying I. I sing at every speech. I don't think I'm going to sing at this one. I made it like a like I'd on the spot decided that I'm not going to sing. And then I sang that song. I'm not going to sing, which is all the it's juxtaposed, uh, juxtaposed ideas all throughout that song. Um, I needed the idea that I said 
I don't think I'm going to sing at the speech. The idea that the room went, okay, that's fine, was horrible. <laughs> I needed people to go, no, like, oh, come on, you got to sing, you got to sing. I needed that, which is a horrible arrogance, but the joke doesn't work. So I had a stooge ready, and that stooge was my uncle's wife. I just needed her to just go, no, like that. I just needed, I just said to her, can you just do that reaction? Because then it will be like a panto and people will join in. And when you, if you ever watch that video and we can play a clip, I guess, but it's, you hear her first, you hear her going, no, like that, like that. It's an over the top reaction, but then mixed in with everyone else, it got what I needed. So then when I was like, let me explain it in a way you can understand. And then I start singing. Um, it made the gag happen. It made the joke work. And I was so worried about that not working. So I have stooges for that kind of thing. That one's that one. Um, six is don't over-rehearse. This goes into my... Um, ah, again, I don't know how you feel about with, with your jokes. And I know some comedians just tell the joke over and over and over again in front of the mirror to the point where it sounds like they're saying it for the first time because they're practicing that much. With my speeches, I don't think I've ever got that level of patience. Plus, I'm crafting it, and I don't think I've got the chance to then practice it enough to get to the point where it sounds like I'm doing it the first time so I just treat it like I am doing it for the first time and I don't rehearse yeah so I would say for anyone doing comedy and speeches it's probably a good idea to practice to the point where it sounds natural that's that I think that's thing but I understand because they their portions are quite small yeah you know that makes absolute sense and I think I think you do so you get to the point where you don't actually say you know, you might have a script for a speech. I always have a script for a speech. But I, I do like to get to the point where it's not word perfect in accordance with the script. Because that's when it does sound like it's rehearsed. And especially in comedy, it's got to sound like it's off the cuff. I yeah, think. no, and totally. Number five. Uh, again, this falls in, they, six and five are the same thing. Don't write it out word for word. So I, I don't write anything out word for word. I have a prompt and then I let the let the sentence or paragraph happen yeah so i always have a prompt like and i either a keyword or the, the first line of that thing but then i don't write it out word for word which i know in comedy i don't think i'd do that i think in comedy i would craft it and find the exact right synonym for every part of that sentence or, or punchline um number three have a backup of everything did that one move on yeah two this is right this is a logistical one eat when you can Okay. Because you won't be able to eat the reception dinner. I've never eaten a reception dinner <laughs> oh, of a no. wedding that I've been at, that I've been performing at. I always miss it. The wedding I was just at in Croatia, I was working on something and it needed to happen the moment after the groom finished his speech. But the speaker that he was using for his speech, I needed to move that speaker over to a projector where I was going to play a video that I prepared. And I... It needed to happen immediately following his speech. The last line of his speech was, and now I've got a gift for my wife because she had gifted him something and now he's saying, I've got a gift for my wife. At that moment, the video's got to play. But his speech is coming out of a speaker that I've got to uplift and move over to the projector. There was no way I'm eating at that wedding. It was the pressure was so on. And like to get in, in this video, I needed to get a photo of them on my phone of them as a married couple and implement it into the slideshow that I was working on on the day ended up doing a slow motion video at the end and it made it more complicated but lovelier the pressure I was under 
it meant that I burst into tears as soon as it was over, obviously, because that anxiety. <laughs> oh, my and God. I, I just went, I just needed to hug my mum. Wow. What was the actual point I was making? Oh, I couldn't eat. So there was no way I was, there was so eat much pressure. Eat when you can. Was so it? eat when yeah. you can, yeah. If you, if there are, go in hard on the appetizers and things like that, because if you're making a speech, I don't think you'll get much eating done if you are stressed about it at all. So I, I, I've never, wow. if I'm making a speech at a wedding, I've never eaten the dinner. I'm going to be looking at best men completely differently from now on. <laughs> That's just me. Uh, and there was me just thinking it was about them wanting to get the, the, the bridesmaids. <laughs> that's what yeah, that's not in here. <laughs> Point two B. Number no. number one. Number one is um, and again, I I think this probably works the same for any kind of thing. The first joke is the key. Yeah. If you get that first laugh, so the way I go about it, and this won't be the same for everyone. So I guess the tip is that the first joke is key, but the the way you go about that is different for everyone. I guess my way is I don't write the first joke. And that, that came about because I made people laugh in ad lib in my first best man speech. And then I've gone, okay, that works for me. It relaxed me out. That's just the way I would do it. Yeah, and I think, I think uh, so basically, and then you can have a lower currency first joke if it is ad lib. So comedians will go to the venue beforehand and have a look around, see if there's anything that sticks out about the venue or anyone in the crowd that has something about them. Yeah. And also it works for speakers too. If you can make a you know an ad lib or just you know just thought about on the day joke about the the venue or whatever something that sticks out to people that the audience would have likely picked up on too then you you get a lot more mileage out yeah, of that you're right use the room yeah so that's great thank you for those tips that's brilliant so i've got some standard questions <clears throat> which i asked but before we head off into that there was one more thing i wanted to cover off with you um facebook live you've done a lot of transatlantic Facebook long Facebook live sessions like mm. I don't know like two to three hour long sessions yeah. with this thing that you do called Hamel Jam. Mm. Um, so let's tell people what Hamel Jam is because I think you're you're going to be starting them up again. So Hamel Jam is a live performance that I do from my living room out into the internet and I do it on Facebook where I basically I pick a theme or I'm demanded of a theme every week and I play it was originally it was based on the musical Hamilton which is yeah. why it's called the Hamel Jam. And so originally it started with me just playing songs from Hamilton and then it broadened out into uh, other Broadway songs. And now it's anything. So it can be Michael Jackson, 90s, boy bands, Broadway, Disney, music from film. I always do sprinkle in some Hamilton in there. And then I do take requests live because I've got a laptop there and people are commenting and, and I will take requests live within the theme um, if I know it. The dominant audience are in America, so they're five, six, seven hours difference, which means I start my show really late. So it starts at 10, half 10. Yeah, it starts at half 10 on a Monday night, PM. Um, that's and, GMT. Yeah, that's, yeah. So it's like it sort of half five in New York. Um, so people are just finishing work and tuning in. And that's as late as I can do it because I'd normally do a two hour show. And then I'm just done. And at work, the next day I can't talk. And it was having a real detriment on my voice. So I've taken a little break um, just to drink some honey for a few weeks. And now I'm missing it again. And I did want to miss it again. I think with anything like that, you, I think you need to step away and miss it. And it's the same way I miss being best man, like someone asked. But <laughs> I, I, I do miss the Hamel Jam and I want to bring it back. And um, 
I put together a trailer the other day and put it out just to see if the buzz was still there. And there was a lot of buzz, so um, that got me go. excited to go again. Excellent. So, so Facebook Live. So Facebook Live, and you've got, and we'll, we'll link to your YouTube channel in the re, in the resource resources for the show in the show notes, so people can have a look at some of your best man videos and get some inspiration for them. And uh, I'm going to ask you those standard questions. So, what? I guess you'd say this is public speaking. You, you know, your best man speeches are are public speaking. Have you done any any other public speaking? I've done presentations and things like that. Um, I did two stints of stand-up comedy. Right. Uh, which I guess is public speaking. Yes, yeah, absolutely. One successful and one bomb. The bomb was the latter one, and it's the reason I haven't done it again. And I think the good comedians like yourself all have a bomb story, and they all get back up on the comedic course, and I haven't I haven't got it in me. The bomb was too... And it, it didn't bomb in terms of, like, no one laughed or anything like that. I just felt, personally, that I didn't do well. I've got such a thin skin for such a uh, an eater. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I eat way too much gravy for this thin skin. But, I uh, yeah, I've never got back onto that. So that kind of thing. And I've done presentations for work and stuff like that. Always nervous. Always need some sort of... To lean on something. Either a, I lean on a projector or I lean on a piano. Not physically. But like, what? like there's not a real caddy with golf clubs. <laughs> But, but what has speaking done for you? Because it must, you know, these best man speeches, I'm getting a sense from what you say that, you know, I always ask what's the best thing that speaking's done for you? Right. So, you know, that what would you say? Is, is it giving you some of the best moments of your life? Yeah, it has. It's given me, like, life-changing, not, either life-changing or life-affirming bonds with people. Like, those people that you do that for, that's their wedding day. In the same way that they will never it's not about being thanked or being patted on the back or anything like that. But you have a bond that even when friendships fall away and things like that, you have something that you did together or you did for them that will never go away. The hugs are always sweeter after that. You you, you always text a bit more after that. There's always like a bond. So that's what I've gotten out of it. You're creating memories for people, basically. It is. It is making memories for people, yeah. Excellent. Like everyone on their wedding day, the photographer's making memories for them. It's everyone on their wedding day, and I wouldn't want anyone to half-ass it on that day for them. Excellent. And I, so I don't, yeah. And then what's the worst thing that's happened? What, what's in, the biggest in, blooper? In the world? No, like in your... <laughs> <laughs> what's the biggest blooper in the in the presentations or the best man speeches that you've done? Aside from the controlled ones that I meant to do. Um, biggest, uh, biggest blooper... Um, th- I have a success story one in that nerves got the best of me I, I practiced and practiced and practiced to sing this song at the right tempo I was working with a metronome it was a very technical thing that won't apply to anyone really making the best man speech but I was practicing with a metronome I needed this song to be perfect I needed to go in I needed to be tempo perfect because I don't have a metronome on the day I could have set it up I didn't think about it and I needed it to be perfect because I had designed a slideshow that, that was silent, that was going to play pictures of them that ended with the married, because that's my little gag of every best man speech I've done, is to put a picture of the married couple up on the day of their wedding, because people always wonder how I did it. People think I photoshopped them as a married couple, and I haven't. It's actually from the day, because uh, phones are good. Um, and I needed 
it fades out at the end and I did I needed my song I needed the last chord of the piano to fade out as the image on the screen faded out and I practiced this thing to play the song to 3 minutes 27 that's how fast I need to play that song and play it perfectly 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 play it to metronome 100 times then practice 100 times without the metronome I got it right I practiced the day before got it right on the day nerves got the best of me and I played it too fast it faded out as I had one more chorus to go and so I played the final chorus to a black screen but I did it as if <laughs> this is exactly what was supposed to happen I slowed the chorus down the eyes went back on me from the screen and I just played it to them and this is my gift to you and I played the final chorus like that and it ended up being successful but that in my head if you could have gone inside my head I was like what are you doing like you moron <laughs> that just worked so that, yeah there are things like that but I think if you keep going like anything like any kind of blunder any kind of technological or technicality like issue just keep going never like let let the sweat be visible sweat on the inside of your eyeballs if you need to but, like, don't. <laughs> sweat on the inside of your eyeballs yeah don't don't let people see and you'll get you'll get through it that's that's a good tip and as i've said on other shows most of the time it's only you that knows that it's gone wrong exactly exactly it is, it no is one always else does. The, it's always the feedback yeah it's what people always say oh, i didn't notice that justin exactly. timberlake played his first solo show at the vmas 2004 he played like i love you for the first time anybody had seen justin timberlake play solo from being an nsync and he got off stage and because it was documented, because he was documenting his first album with MTV, he got off stage. I remember this moment because I think about it as a performer. He got off stage and he burst into tears and Joey Fatone was there and hugged him. And he, Joey Fatone said, that was amazing. And Justin went, I made five mistakes. Justin Timberlake made five mistakes that no one would have noticed. It was the best performance of anyone's career. And he had a problem with himself in that moment and I always think of that because I think if Justin Timberlake gets that way I think you're allowed to go I messed up and just have it for yourself but no one's noticing that it was an incredible I always think about that moment where it was, he got off and he was like disappointed in himself five mistakes wow so yeah it's I, what it is that's what we're that's I think what we everyone's like. built that way that performs yeah human beings I think probably there's something wrong with you if you don't uh, have that sort of self-critical in some ways Trump. it's not good but you know it's not it's natural isn't yeah it? yeah Trump, Trump doesn't get away from the VMAs I, I was <laughs> I was gonna say that but yeah. I'm avoiding can, politics on the show <laughs> oh dear I was gonna say about narcissists anyway he doesn't write a speech for nine months yeah um <laughs> anyway right the last last question then so I always talk about this book, which I think is a brilliant book, which is called Think Cracking and Speech, Mate. Cracking Speech, Mate. That's that's a good book too. But uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. And in it, he talks about having like this mastermind group where you can bounce ideas off of. And it's like a fantasy football thing, really, I guess, in some ways. But if you had three people that you could choose to be in your sort of mentor mastermind group, alive or dead, fiction, non-fiction, wh who would they be? Really? Oh, okay. I'd have Malcolm Gladwell, the author. Uh, you, I think you know that I, 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 I love him and I, I soundbite him all the time. And one of my favourite moments is getting an email back from him. It's one of those things where you can lend yourself to be endearing. I got an email back from him because I said his work was so important. And I think, I, I said to him, I think your work is going to change the world. 
and he wrote back a lovely email and then I wrote back again asking him if he was interested in doing something he said no what was that <laughs> well, at least but, you tried. <laughs> I tried um I wanted him to do a voiceover on himself um because I think he's got a great speaking voice so if you're going to listen to a Malcolm Gladwell book audiobook it because he's got a great voice um but he would be because he looks at the world from an obtuse angle and I really appreciate that and also he he takes what work people have done right. and then shines a light on it and looks at it from a different angle. And Gladwell comes in and says, why is this like this? And, and is there a way we could do it better? And then two guys that I've mentioned already, uh, Darren Brown, I think they're friends, in fact, so it'd be easy to get hold of them both. Right. Uh, Darren Brown, who I, I love the way he crafts stories. I think he's a storyteller. I think he tells stories with magic, but I think he's a storyteller first. And then for his work on musicals alone, I think Tim Minchin would be in in my team what my what what team am i making it's it's for living your life i guess to the fullest of your potential so okay that thank you so much andy so is there anything that you want to say to people about best man speeches or anything else any last minute tips or have we covered it all do you think oh do you know what the one thing i would want to say is i know my speeches are elaborate they take way too long i put in too much effort for them not everyone's like i'm not suggesting that anyone goes and spends nine months putting together a full multimedia presentation with a song in the middle no way. I think the best way I can think about it is that put in the effort, but to your skills and advantages. Play to your strengths. Play to your strengths, exactly right, yeah. Make the bride and groom feel special on the day that they feel special, and you've done your job. Brilliant. That's really good tip. Play to your strengths. I think that counts for most things in terms of speaking as well. Um, smashing, thank you. So where can people find you, Andy? What's your Twitter handle? Um your youtube channel how can they find you? i'll put it in the show notes but is it just for now in case they're like oh, i really must go and race and find andy's stuff at a merriweather 10 um and youtube is i think it's like mezzo 711 which is my old and then if people um, wanted to check you out in hamel jam yeah so there's a hamel jam page on facebook you can just search hamel jam and you'll find it cool and we will put that in the show notes too andy merriweather thank you so much for coming on the show uh, it's been enlightening in lots of ways. Here's the pride and cream. <laughs> Thank you. Well, there you have it. That was the wedding speech episode. I hope you enjoyed it. hope you find it useful. If you are going to be a best man or father of the bride or groom or whatever, if you're going to do a speech at a wedding, I hope those tips will help you do the best job you possibly can. Thank you again so much for listening. It's a pleasure to have you listen to this podcast. And thank you so much if you've already subscribed. If you haven't, Go on, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you like the show, please leave a review or even just rate it. That'd be brilliant. And obviously, uh, if you have people that you think might benefit from it, uh, share it. That would be brilliant. You have a fantastic week. And don't forget, grab life by the nuts and get cracking. Thanks for listening to the Speaking Club podcast at www.saraharcher.co.uk.